if 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 you already know the answers to your questions, then why ask pig fuck? We are not helpless. We are on a journey that risks the dark. If it's all the same to you, good night, sir. <laughs> Don't worry, I'm gonna sit in and try. I just needed to laugh at that for a second. <laughs> Seriously, Philip Seymour Hoffman is so amazing in The Master. Like, I've. I mean, rest in peace to the king. We miss you, Pimp. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on, I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube. Car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. We're not all professional athletes, but we all have health goals. That's why Anytime Fitness gives you access to personalized plans and support from a coach. Plus, you can track your training, nutrition, and recovery progress with the Anytime Fitness app, just like the pros. With 24-7 access to more than 5,000 gyms worldwide, Get more from your gym membership. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, restrictions, all apply. See website for details. Welcome, listeners. This is Sound Only. I'm Justin Charity. And I'm Micah Peters. We're your Sound Only co-hosts here to record our deepest, darkest thoughts about the 21st century and the millennial lifestyle. Uh, and this week we're talking about like sort of darker themes and weirder themes in the millennial. We're talking about weird stuff. We're talking week, about the, 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 the actual, the, the absolute darkest. <laughs> we're, we're, yeah, like the, the, well, we're talking about like the edge Lord edge of the millennial lifestyle is what yeah, I would we're say. We're going to the edge of the internet. We're going to peer over, you know, that's, yeah. that's what we're doing today. And we're honestly, we're going to try to like break it up. We're also going to talk about, um, a TV series that is not so dark about some some teens, you know, but like it's actually you, wonderful. I like I, I found it like ap- up- uplifting. We're going to talk about some nice stuff on this episode too. Yeah, you know? we, we, we don't want to. want you to get the wrong idea. But first, we're going to talk about that feeling when no girlfriend. TFW no GF. I don't actually know how to say the name of this movie aloud. I, I, I the thing is that like when you texted me about it saying that I needed to watch it last week, I. It was just like, I actually, well, I asked you, I was just like, what is, what does TFW no GF stand for? Like, I was just like, is this a documentary about like, you know, a story Japanese animator or is this like, cause I mean, like, you know, Why it'll be something. <laughs> I'm just saying that like, you know how, uh, the actual title for like show manga will be like something, something, no something, you know, like, so like show, like, uh. What's what's the actual title of Demon Slayer? Something something no Kabu something. 
Oh, you mean no is in like the Japanese use the word yes. no to mean there oh. You, That's there the thing. you so go. <laughs> there you yeah. go. That's yes. like, okay, see, you try to, you yeah. try to make me feel like I, I was crazy mean. for a second. Yes. And now, to clarify like, you know, for listeners, yeah, I guess in Japanese, no, you yes. mean of, and there are a lot of like anime titles where it's something, no something. <laughs> Yeah. So, okay. So, I, I mean, given the nature of our relationship and the conversations that we tend to have, you know, it wasn't a large leap to make. But so, uh, TFW, no GF, the, the, that feeling with no girlfriend, that feeling with no GF uh, was a featured South by Southwest documentary. And it's been floating around since then, uh, you know, causing you know, light uproar and, you know, steam to come out of critics' ears, so to speak. Um, there's been a lot of hand-wringing about it. Is that is that fair to say? It is. And some of it, I mean, it's... We can get into why and we can get into how deserved that hand-wringing is and, uh, you know, but... I don't know. We should just describe the movie first. Um, right. So, it centers on the bleak lives of I'm saying this, I'm, I'm going to describe it because you saw it and you asked me to see it and I'm doing my book report to you. Okay? <laughs> so it centers the bleak lives of youngish and emotionally disaffected white men that keep like bumping into the label incel. It's like not something that they would readily call themselves, although they call themselves like all sorts of other things like meats and, you know, what have you. Um, so. What TFW attempts to do with its non-judgmental eye is to like illustrate existence for these people, which is like not I mean, like it's it's very depressing. Like it's like it's very there's like all the color is drained out of the background. Lighting really informs the fact that um one of these care one of these one of these guys like, you know, will wake up at around noon and then quote unquote scroll Twitter until his roommate gets back and then they'll just do whatever it is that you know that roommate wants to do or whatever is on his mind is it like this is what existence is for these people. What like this guy, one of them, you know, tweeted a, a shirtless selfie of himself saying, you know, like is is anybody out there trying to get sexually abused DM me? Like and that's funny to this person you know that's their that's their brand of comedy. yeah but it's but well it's that's his brand of comedy but then in that scene for instance um you know you're watching him sort of workshop and send this tweet and then meanwhile the camera is showing you the bedroom you know that he's sending this from and his bedroom is like you know whatever whatever theoretical consideration of like oh man like I'm trying to be a manly macho guy who I'm trying to be the guy who brings girls home to his apartment. Meanwhile, look at the guy's apartment. Like a girl could materialize in his apartment in that scene. And like, what the fuck is she going to do in that bedroom? You know, it's like, it's, he lives that kind oh, of existence. Yeah. 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 Um, Alex Lee Moyer is a first time documentarian, right? Yeah. First time documentarian, but not a first time filmmaker. And right. Honestly, after having seen it and like gone and sort of lightly perused like director interviews about it, the way that she talks about her subjects is a little alarming because she thinks of them as her quote unquote friends, which is like just poor ethic. That's just poor ethics, like as a person that's making something, 
but also the documentary I found like almost unwatchable from like a technical standpoint because there's just no real like there's no voiceover like all of these people are like given space to tell their story by themselves there's no critical pushback really at any point and the space is filled in with like news clips from Fox News and then you know like urban dictionary definitions of internet nomenclature uh memes a lot of those a lot of wojack yeah. just all over the place well i they're like animated sequences with feels guy like whenever they're doing a sort of montage with wojack like, is feels guy by the way yeah, oh yeah right right but it's sort of it's they're kind of um very stylized like animation sequences that I actually think are well done and sort of very translate specific. meme culture. Yeah. Yeah. They feel like they actually preserve the internet feel of what they're talking about, the culture that they're talking about. Right. And, the first guy, um, uh, the first subject. Yeah. Um, is the guy that lives in, you know, in Massachusetts in a one bedroom with his mother. Like there's probably some interesting stuff to be explored around. Like, the way that the American family has morphed in re like socioeconomic situations, like, you know, wage, whatever. There's probably some stuff to actually be explored there, but really what you get is just like a, a lot of sustained first person accounts of like not being able to form meaningful relationships with women, not being able to get a job, not being able to carve out the kind of life they want or realize the future that was promised to them at some point, like in their earlier lives, like in their childhood or something. Um, yeah. But yeah. Yeah. That animation sequence you're talking about though, the first guy lives in a one bedroom apartment with his mom, like has a squat rack in his room, like in a pull-up bar in the entryway. And like, he's just like a, guy that spends a lot of time on the internet and the in the feels guy animation the highest stylized feels guy animation that you're talking about you know shows him like fixing himself a waffle sandwich and then like you know wearing an underarm an under armor hoodie and drinking whey protein shakes and you know taking pre-workout and stuff like it's just like very specific and highly stylized yes I think that like a thing that the documentary fails to draw the distinction between is like is because it attempts to be about the larger internet at times it confuses I mean like it it really doesn't allow for context around its sub like the like sufficient context around its subjects so Yeah, explain what you mean by that cuz I agree with you and I yeah there's no like there's no body it like Although he this this character lives in a one bedroom apartment with his mom, like you don't get to talk to his mom. <laughs> like there's not like, and then also because they're trying to be like this is I, I think uh, the the beginning of his voiceover talks about being like yeah just I'm one of the generation that grew up more or less on the internet, but like I was immediately put off by that because of like the like it just didn't feel like it meshed with the the tenor of the documentary itself and like the deepness of his voice and the fact that he was talking about I've dropped out of high school already and I am at this stage in my life really separates 
that generation from like the you know the quote unquote generation that does remember life before YouTube, which is kind of like a catch all. Totally, totally. Like this is a specific group of men, but the documentary doesn't like isolate them. Yeah, and, I can imagine a version of this movie where if you told me, oh, the subjects, um, you know, the director has a soft hand; they're not editorializing over everything. The subjects are speaking for themselves. I can imagine a version of this movie that worked. And was better off for that approach. I think in this movie, though, it's tough because you're you're talking to relatively young subjects who are very angsty and who and are, are really already insular in their worldview as it is. And if you yeah. separate them from like literally everything else and just allow them to tell their side of the story, then how is that different from yeah spending time on HN yourself? I guess. Yeah. Well, I don't. I don't agree with that necessarily, but it's sort of like okay. they're that, teenagers. That's extreme, but yeah, they are te- like it's just kind of they are. There is something that like it's simultaneously more serious and less serious than it needs to be. Somehow, yeah, it's like teenagers going into to early twenties. They're young white men, right? And they are sort of the movie is kind of. It's trying to inform what otherwise exists as this free-floating kind of, for a lot of people, terrifying caricature of like the radicalized, red-pilled young white man, you know, in Trump's America, whatever, whatever, right? But like, I don't know. Part of it is that part of my reaction to the doc, which I I like. There are stretches of the documentary that I like of that feeling with no girlfriend, but it is it's very strange in this sense of like. It's a movie about the internet. It's a movie that's a, you know, you mentioned Trump before. Like there is, there's a, there's a small sort of sound bites in the beginning of like Trump talking and Tucker Carlson talking, and the, their voices are sort of included as this way of sort of it feels like implication, right? It's implying that the movie has an i, it has like a historically specific idea about why like a young white man in this particular decade or this particular century might be radicalized in a particular way, right? But then the movie just sort of goes on to present young men who honestly, I, I don't know, they just seem to be awkward and vulgar and edgy in ways that lots of teenagers are and in a way that honestly doesn't feel that distinct historically. It and honestly so- feels that, like, yeah, it doesn't feel distinct historically and also just feels like a lot of this could be solved with actual therapy instead of going on to 4chan to like i mean the the thing is that like the way that they describe interacting with these message boards because this isn't like like i I, like the it's not something that i totally understand but because like each of the posts had to be unique it follows that people will just you know drop in very personal anecdotes of things things that happened to them during their shitty day yeah. or you know they might be circling around suicidal ideation and the thing is that like it's just putting it into a void and having the void shout back at you just random shit yeah. but you know, like the, the the subjects describe it as being vaguely edifying, but then also sort of like quicksand. It's like it it, it sounds like, you know, just your run of the mill emotional addiction. <laughs> yeah, totally. And I, that's yeah. one thing I actually do think is impressive about the documentary. Right. Is that when you write about 
It's maybe different when, I don't know, a journalist is doing like a web piece, like a, like a written piece, right? But for a documentary, like you're basically m- making a documentary about people whose whole lives, frankly, are just sitting at the computer and posting. Yeah, this like is that, existence you know, that's, oh, that's actually like a challenging, like their existences are so sedentary in that, that specific way. Um, and so you're trying, it, it does feel like, that central struggle of a doc like this, right, is to make that seem sort of like, or not make that seem, but to sort of illuminate the psychology and the politics behind why the the various subjects in the documentary post such that they, you know, such that they do. Just um, why are they like this? Is yeah, why are they like, like what this, the, right? the documentary tries to get at? But um Despite that, what is the like? What is what would you say the overall reception to the documentary has been? I, I would say that I would say that there's like it feel it feels like there's two thirds backlash and one third like almost like a kind of contrarian appreciation. Frankly, um, I think the contrarian appreciation I'll start with that seems to be that you can't just write you can't just write you know online reactionary vulgarians off like you need to sort of understand where these young men are coming from something something empathy you know it's sort of in the same vein of like a lot of the conversations that happened after the 2016 election right about you know how we had uh, like a freaking two-year we need to find this imaginary the, voter and the white and, working and class voter, right? yeah right 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 in in that vein is sort of like one corner of i think appreciation for the movie and then i think there are two kinds of backlash i've seen to it there's a kind of backlash that's like uh this movie really probably should be more critical than it is and that's where i i sit there i sit in the i think this movie there are things i like about it it definitely could have stood to be to take a more critical approach and that doesn't mean the director should have been you know cartwheeling out every 20 minutes to say all these white kids on the internet are pieces of shit. Like, don't you hate them? Like, that's not what I mean. It's just that like, it's weird that, uh, you have subjects sort of, I I think one of the subjects, um, the director does a good job of teasing out. And one of the conversations, the subject talks about how like he lost like four of his friends in, in recent years, like four of his friends have died. And he's sort of, I think he's the subject that's like closest personally to Moyer. And I think that's one stretch. Of, it's a very small stretch of the film, but that's one part where I started to sort of see some attempt to try to expand like the subjects sort of sense of the world beyond just themselves and their own mm-hmm. angst. Mm-hmm. Um, but it is just so odd that like, you would make a movie about these people who are struggling to form connections with other people and frankly have like take a very dim, cynical, negative view of the people in their lives. And yet the director at no point says, oh, wow, wouldn't it, maybe it would be interesting if I actually talk to somebody who is in one of these subjects lives and see if their account of this person's life jives with what this person is saying for the entire runtime of the movie. It's, pro- it's the problem of like the unreliable narrator. Yeah, which is, can, I mean, yeah. it's a, it, which 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 fosters like uncritical sympathy. You can you can make a movie about 
toxic narcissist. And you can even make a movie that wants to see the good or see some nuance in the toxic narcissist. But you should at least interview some people who aren't just the toxic narcissist about the toxic narcissist, I think is my take on it. Yeah, yeah. Like, there's, like, uh, TFW and, like, man, <laughs> remember the Joker? Like, there's, like, a, it's just that there seems to be, like, a lot of uh, similar weeping and gnashing of teeth about, like, what this film, like, what effect this film might have on suggestive, suggestible people or whatever. Oh, um, yeah, that's, like, the third slice of the backlash, yeah. right? It's people who but, are not in the camp of, like, oh, it should be more critical. Their response is more so, it's deeply irresponsible that this movie mm -hmm. even exists. And, like, one of the, the producers is Cody Wilson, who... You know, I was, I was actually talking to Allison Wilmore, film critic at Vulture, about um, that feeling with no girlfriend. And she mentioned the new radical because Adam Balaloff was uh, the director of New Radical. One of the he's the executive producer on this documentary. And then Cody Wilson is a producer on that, you know, that feeling with no girlfriend. And Cody Wilson is the subject of the new radical. And. I, I went back and watched the new radical and Cody Wilson. If you don't know anything about him, he's um, it's basically like a pioneer of 3d gun printing. And he's like a huh. weird anarch. He's like a telegenic anarchist. And I've, I've actually listened to lots of interview tape with Cody Wilson outside of the documentary, the new radical, but that, that in the new radicals from like 2017. And that movie has a sort of similar, sort of ethical quandary about it, right? Which is like, on the one hand, you know, talking to um, Cody Wilson and these subjects, you know, these other subjects about 3D gun printing and, you know, the advent of Bitcoin and sort of like a series of techno anarchists, you know what I mean? And like um, Julian Assange is in the New Radical. And I don't know, they're... they're on the one hand, that stuff's interesting. On the other hand, a lot of people look at that stuff and say, you know, Cody Wilson wants to spread guns all over the country in a country that already has like a lot of guns. Like, you know, he's dangerous. Like, I don't, you know, and then Cody Wilson is also like, you know, spent time in jail for sex with like an, a minor. You know what I mean? He's, he's like a, he's an unsavory figure. And he has really weird sort of, he has weird politics and uh, yeah, I don't know. It's sort of, I think that stuff's interesting. And I think a lot of people have a very strong reaction these days. I think certainly like post-Trump, right. To like making certain kinds of commentary about these kind of right-wing or right-wing adjacent figures, whether it's Cody Wilson or whether it's, you know, these, incel-esque <laughs> subjects in that feeling with no girlfriend. Mm. But I don't know. What do you feel about that kind of panic? I've never really... I don't know that I've ever really felt that sense of... Um, I've never felt the deplatforming urge in that, in that particular way, I guess. Hmm. I mean, I can't speak to... I can't speak to the New Radical. I haven't seen it. Um, but, I mean, like, as far as you know, how noisy it can get around something that ultimately shouldn't have any bearing on the average person's life is, you know, a, I think I ultimately find it exhausting. 
It's just kind of like, you know, because in effect, if you can, what you're assuming when something like that happens and like you, you start pulling your hair out about it and you get on the internet and you, you know, get so horny that you've decided that you need to call the police is more or less assuming that everybody is, is, has your same hangups like or is like it's assuming a is just like it's just a level of distrust in the reader or the audience yeah. so to speak yeah that i find insulting i think ultimately yeah, yeah i mean like so i mean and I, like i brought up the joker earlier and like i wrote about it on the website and i did not stick the landing i read it earlier <laughs> because i kind of got to the end of it and ran out of things to say i was just like it's dumb that we spent this much time talking about a bad movie like because it is i mean like the joker like suffers from the same problem of tfw where like the joker doesn't have a foil like it's all happening inside of arthur fleck's head like there's no lancaster dodd like there is in the master to like externalize some of these things maybe you know take some of the unsavoriness off of the main character um or just like to inform like the way that they are situated in the real world but that's not the discussion that we are having about these kinds of movies or not that's such a great parallel that's i'm glad you said that because yeah that does that sort of like crystallizes for me that that problem is like that feeling with no girlfriend, it's it's totally fine if you want to illuminate the sort of um if you want to illuminate the disposition. I think it's an important disposition. I think the the dispositions created by spending way too much time on the internet and in and in fact sort of building your identity from the internet and all of its undercurrents, like that's obviously a modern thing. That's obviously a modern problem like definitely want to watch a movie about it definitely think it's weird though that the movie just it it really i want to say it struggles to but it doesn't really struggle it, it barely tries to sort of juxtapose that would feel like really extremely online um recourses that these people take to sort of juxtapose that with the real world. You know what I mean? Like if you want to sort of have Trump and Tucker Carlson talking about the, you know, it's hard to be a young man today. Okay. Listen, it might not be my politics, but illuminate that idea. But what the movie does, it does, it it doesn't illuminate it. Right. It sort of gestures at the idea of like, what if, you know, what if the young white man is a political problem? It's sort of, gestures at that it implies that but then it the rest of the movie feels like it has no actual ideas about politics it has no it has no ideas about trump it's just it's really just like an an opportunity to commiserate is what it feels like yeah and and Um, like one thing the movie does do is it's sort of i'd say for all of its subjects well i'd say most of its subjects except for the kid who's from who grew up in texas right you know, most of the subjects come out pretty early and they they reveal that like their only real sort of investment in and frankly understanding of conservatism is just trolling, right? Like every sort of right-wing articulation that they make is centered on like breaking a taboo. Yeah. Um, yeah. For breaking They're a owning the lips. Sake. They're owning the yeah. lips and they admit at every turn that like, listen, my main investment in talking this way or, you know, 
like crossing these lines is that I know it irritates liberals. It gets a kind of reaction. Now you can also have a conversation about like whether it matters, like whether your motivation is ironic or sincere, but like, I don't know. There's certain things about, yeah, the edgelord, right. As like an archetype like that. It's an interesting archetype in, it's interesting if only because we're going to be living with it, you know, for the foreseeable future of the internet. Right? It's, yeah. It's, it's, it's interesting and, or, or, you know, and that it's useful, like, you know, information, like knowing how to drive stick. Like, you just but it's also to, like, interesting. Yeah. But it's interesting also. Cause like you and I, like we've spent time on the internet. Like it's not, yes, you know what I, I mean? like, I mean, like, I mean, like I'm not I saying don't lack empathy. I don't lack I, empathy like, it on is, some level. Like that. I, I'm saying that like, it is, critically interesting yeah but like it is important that like it like the expiration of it be critical like but the thing is that like a better expiration of uh this authority topic is not what people that have seen this movie and have felt strongly enough about it to write about it on the internet seem to want yeah that said i do i i recommend people watch it like when, when, if it is available for people to see it, watch it. You know what I mean? Um, if only, if only, if only to email us, frankly, to, if yeah. only to email us at soundonlypod at gmail.com. Tell us whether you had the same sort of, I don't know, like ethical reservations as other people or sort of, I don't know. Like I said, I just wanted it to be slightly more critical. I other thought, I otherwise thought, you know, some things about it are pretty well done. Uh, but I don't know. I feel ambivalent. A uh, rare case for me. I'm usually very Share strident your and dramatic. You know? Yeah. No one understands me. You never understood anything. I thought this was supposed to be a world without pain and without uncertainty. That's because you thought that everyone else felt the same as you do. You betrayed me! You betrayed my feelings! You misunderstood from the very beginning. You just believed what you wanted to believe. Nobody wants me. So they can all just die. Then what is your hand for? Nobody cares whether or not I exist. Nothing ever changes. So they can all just die. Then tell me, what is your heart for? It would be better if I never existed. I should just die too. Then why are you here? Is it okay for me to be here? This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit JiffyLube.com. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value 
with your garage on cars.com. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. So, Charity. You said offline that you were talking to Alice Wilmore, film critic over at Vulture, about another one of Moyer's films that suffers from the same problem of like credulousness. Yeah, I'd say the new radical is sort of it. It feels a bit more like there are more voices in that movie, at least. But yeah, it feels a little credulous and a little overly stylized sometimes. It's a little too cute, frankly. Yeah, well, since my since you should bring up cute, because are you familiar with cuties and the cuties discourse? I am distantly familiar with both of these things. I've tried to avoid them. Okay, so explain cuties. Cuties, please. cuties is a coming of age film by uh, French Senegalese director Ramuna Dekure uh, about an eleven-year-old black girl who attempts to clumsily, because she's eleven, reconcile her family's Muslim faith and culture with that of her more worldly classmates. So, like, it's just very like a, it's a movie where you know it's like all child actors of, or what's the yeah it's what's... like all it's all it's like this the same thing as like Larry Fletcher's KIDS where it's just okay. like a lot of young kids doing things that are like a, a lot of young kids being precocious. Like they are. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. But and it's about you know, young girls. So, right. It's about young girls, which means that a lot of Congress people have complicated feelings about it. Well, um, okay. Is it just like a, the Congress people? Cause it, for, okay. My it's impression not just of the Congress whole, people, but my whole impression of what happened here was that this is part about, this is partly about the movie itself and also partly about how I got marketed on Netflix. Is that correct? Yes. Yes, it is partly about the movie itself and partly about how I got marketed on Netflix. Um, because, I mean, one of the few things that you, one of the few clips that you would see a lot of the movie before you could even lay eyes on the actual movie was the scene where the girls are in their in a bedroom listening to some music that they like and twerking like you know because the thing the thing is that it's a movie about young girls attempting to figure shit out about their bodies and their sexuality in the age of instagram yeah things like this should happen yet that scene uh i mean in yeah, has been characterized in a lot of reviews as like highly sexualized like you know there's been a lot of poo-pooing on it and there was an eightfold spike in Netflix cancellations, a hashtag cancel Netflix campaign, state attorneys general, plural, press them to have the film removed, lawmakers demanded Yo. probes. This, this is like an old school, like conservative moral panic. This is like that old like, restoring it's, the feeling it's, panic. It's like Christian coalition moral panic. It's the Christian coalition, like, we, let's bring this white teenager from the suburbs up on trial for running somebody <laughs> over while listening to Tupac type of handwriting that's going on right now that's that's Uh, what's that's what it is they called the movie fodder for pedophiles i mean like it's just well really it's just a regular french movie (laughs) 
It's just a regular French. Do you watch French movies? It's I mean, just like there. There. It's yeah. All right. I know. I know how pretentious that sounded. But the thing is that, like, if you like, if you watch French cinema, you know that like it's some wild shit in there. Um, dog, I've, I've never, have you ever been so upset about a movie that you, that you wrote your congressman about it? Have like, I what ever motivates wrote... people to behave like that? You know what I mean? It's sort of I like... have, like, I've, I have, I myself have never been so terminally horny that I called the police, but yeah. I have had a movie that I wanted to write my local congressman about, like, I feel like I've pretty, written about it on the tang, website. Before. Which was it? <laughs> what movie? No, no, no. I like it was. It was. I. I have walked out of. I walked out of Ninja Assassin, which is like the. Sh- I, I should have known. It's called Ninja Assassin. It came out in two thousand nine. But then, like, there's a big twist at the end where, like, one of the main leads gets stabbed through like their heart cavity, and they're like, actually, and then like you know, three minutes later, uh, she comes to and says. Actually, I was born with a birth defect and my heart is on the right side of my chest. And I was just like, you've got to be fucking kidding me. And I've been, you know, I wrote a sternly worded thing in my notes app and never sent it to anybody. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Oh, uh, I don't know. The cutest thing is funny. Just I even even talking about it on this episode after we talk about like that feeling with no girlfriend. Right. Like, I think something like the cuties cuties gate the cuties fiasco uh the cuties telegram whatever we're calling this shit i don't know it's sort of like on the one hand you have this faction in like modern critical discourse and and pop culture or whatever that thinks it's like this new insurgent right you know like conservative right-wing edgelord sort of like um you know post south park republicans right the people who aren't scandalized you know, it's, now it's supposed to be that like liberals and leftists are the people who are always like writing their congressmen over being like offended by art or whatever, whatever. You know what I mean? Like this yeah. idea that in this century, the sort of sensitivities have reversed. And instead of it being the evangelicals who are constantly like sensitive and trying to get stuff censored and banned, it's it's liberals. It's but the then the shit wars. happens. Yeah, it's the social justice yeah. wars. But then, but then cuties. All it took was cuties <laughs> to awaken everybody's C. Dolores Tuck. You know what I mean? Everybody's everybody's Tipper Gore jumped out. It's really like, yeah, it's. Have you watched? Uh, so have you watched who we are? Who we are? Also, yes. like the new yeah. uh, Luca yeah. oh, I, well, show. Yeah, I watched it. Yeah, what did you think? It. What, what did you? Okay, what did you think of it? Like, did you? Okay, so like in the first, in the very I first episode, there is a, <laughs> there is a gratuitous scene where, um, you know, our 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 stringy, gross little weirdo of a lead, Dylan Glazer, like walks into like a men's shower and there's just a prolonged scene where there's just swinging dick just like dick all is around. Just and the thing is that like there's yeah there's it's just multiple all but dick the thing swinging. is that like there are there are multiple things like like they, there are multiple sequences like this in the show like yeah <laughs> which is like and the, and it's almost like fever dream like especially yeah. like the step that he takes out of the locker room afterwards and there's like a tight end on his face and he's legitimately sweating yeah yeah because um, you see it he, like it shows the back of his shirt 
through that whole sequence. Yes. And he's just like increasingly Ex- sweaty. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it's just that these are like, I guess there's, these are like sexually provocative notes that you don't know how the show is going to fully explore yeah, the premise yeah. of the show. And it's like, the premise of the show too, is yeah. like, yeah, it's like, it's just adolescence. It's two queer kids on a military base fostering each other's queerness. In like, Italy. Again, the Europeans it, with their perversions. Right. It's Italy. Yeah. In Italy. And, um, like to do a like meaningful exploration of this, you wonder how they're going to do it with a bunch of 16 and 17 year olds. Yeah. But it turns out to be very tender and like ultimately sort of responsible. Um, if you've watched, I don't know how many episodes of it you watched. Um, I watched two. But did you feel like the, the recoil I told you you were going to feel in the first episode? Yeah, of course I did. Listen, okay. Um, this kid, first of all, one thing I like about this show is that it serves my thesis that Zoomers aren't a real thing, right? There's just millennials and then millennials <laughs> with millennial plus subscriptions. Because, like, this kid, right, the way this show is now and the kid is young and, like, theoretically, you know, these kids would be Zoomers. Meanwhile, this dude just, like, he, he just looked like Justin Bieber. He looked like Justin Bieber after he spent, like, a night backstage with Virgil Abloh. He's just, it's just a millennial. He's, anyway, yeah, I mean, like, that's, that's going to be a tangent in this podcast is me coming back to this thesis that Zoomers aren't a real thing; they're just millennials. But anyway, yeah, because <laughs> the kid he's so obnoxious, right? Because he he walks around in his stupid leopard print pants and his weird leopard like, print fleece shorts. Like, his, let's let's get yeah. it let's get it all the way correct. And his kawaii like bulletproof vest. His <laughs> yeah, My Little Pony bulletproof yeah. vest or whatever that is he's wearing at the end of the first episode. Yeah, I mean, like. He's 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 a he's a teenager that spends a lot of money on clothes online. Like, yeah, <laughs> uh, I mean, um, but the thing is that, like, what I'm saying is that there's a lot of stuff in here that is that seem like I think that another part of early Euphoria discourse was about you know how responsibly you could possibly look into teenagers experimenting with psychedelics and you know having random sex at house parties and all this other stuff and it's just kind of like all right well i mean it's happening though <laughs> it's just like yeah. i don't really know what this what this is a it's a it's about like and i think it the, the conversation like the conversation should be more about doing it responsibly or well rather than about doing it at all yeah totally totally yes agree hard agree um i don't know i don't i didn't actually nothing does anything about we are who we are strike you is that oh no like it's approaching the line okay because i thought it was chill like that's why it's like i thought like the thing is that it was it like it was very chill it's just like you know if you have watched call me by your name or like other uh well you know it's just like you know the reverence that he has for like the 17 year old gangly teenage male yeah yeah yeah. there's something like like something about it feels but it's not like you know it's not a sinister weirdness it's just like something that you it's like a weird quirk of the filmmaking and also like yeah like i I think ultimately yes like it was chill Um, yeah the, the good thing about that show of what i've seen is how um 
Like one thing I think is easy to do in adolescent stuff is to just make everyone out to be like, oh, everyone's horny and stupid. What I like about We Are Who We Are is that it's like the kids are all horny and stupid and they don't realize that that's what their problem is. Like they all seem to have problems that they're only like aware of at a weird angle. And like, I don't know, their social dynamics seem so like them talking past each other in a way that actually feels very particular to what the problem is with your teenage years, where it's like your whole self mythology is wrapped up in the idea that like you're horny and stupid and, you know, overdetermined, but like, you also don't know what any of that means really. <laughs> and you can't yeah. really see it like outside of yourself. I don't know. Yeah. It's just like, and also what if you don't like fit into whatever that, whatever that mold is. And you also are more likely to go hang out with the old account Italian couple than the teens on the beach. And you want to yeah. talk to them about Raf Simmons and, uh, you know, drink boxed wine and shit. Like, it's just like yeah! a very, like it's, yeah. it's, it's a very calming watch ultimately. I think. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, I but agree. I, I like, I, I like the fact that you brought it up about them, like having the, they're, they're only aware of the problems that they have at a weird angle. Or they have like, this uh this way of talking past each other because really that's what i that's what i thought about watching uh tfw no g the scenes with tfw no gf where like the two roommates are talking about whatever sort of emotional stunnedness they have and just accepting that as like yeah that's just like you know that's just what it is that's just paul or that's just charles you know or yeah. it's um just to circle back, my problem with that documentary is that like it has this feeling of like they're just history just being a thing that happens to people and like feelings just being things that spring up out of nowhere and aren't like the result of the cumulative things that happen to yeah. The way you put it was like th there's no context in the movie. Like that and that is the thing that to me feels so bizarre about that movie is that there's no context for any of the angst. Again, apart from um, when one of the subjects talks about losing his friends, it's like this weird fleeting moment where suddenly you have context for why somebody would become this kind of unpleasant, alienating person. But yeah, the rest of the movie is just like, the rest of the movie refuses to give you any context for why these people behave that way, other than just saying, because the internet. Yeah, they say because the internet and, you know, ugh, like religiously refuse any sort of personal responsibility. like. Honestly, it's it's just I've I think that we could all, you know, we should all subscribe to Zooted Noel Gallagher's 1997 <laughs> less than humble opinions that art and comics would benefit greatly from everyone just acknowledging that they're just everyone's doing stuff they didn't practice and also probably drugs, you know? Real. There's people in the in the houses of parliament, man. They were bigger heroin addicts. And like cocaine addicts than anyone in this room right now. And it's all about honesty at the end of the day. If he's done that, fair enough. Everybody does it. You do it, 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 and you do it. He doesn't do it. Because he's, he's a Buddhist. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, but you know what I'm saying? It's like, you know, I mean, as soon as people realise that the majority of the people in this country take drugs, then, I mean, the better off we'll all be. It's not, it's not 
like a scandalous sensation. Drugs, it's like, you know, it's like getting up and having, you know, it's like getting up and having a cup of tea in the morning. And, you know, and, and some people realise that, then, well, that's their tough isn't it? Do you want a line? <laughs> I don't know. For me, it just comes back to, like, I, I, I at least understand where, like, the impulse for certain kinds of judgments comes from or certain kinds of, like, hey, don't glamorize the fucking eight chan trolls right because it like i think i wrote about this in a piece um like a couple months ago right like i wrote this piece that was about um the idea like i don't know if you <laughs> I, listen i still read andrew sullivan um and i you know <laughs> I this is yeah. yes this is something that I know about you yeah you and, you and, and your your sur- your surveying of alternative perspectives yeah, there, there are I'm things familiar. I can't fucking stand about Andrew Sullivan and there are things I actually do like about Andrew Sullivan um I actually didn't like Andrew Sullivan back in the day when everyone else liked him when he was like the king of the blogosphere and I actually it, I find him more sort of enjoyable to read now than I found him to read like a decade ago. But uh, his essay that he's sort of always banging on about, right, is the sort of we all live on campus now essay. And I wrote this I wrote this piece like a couple of months ago. Oh, about um, wrong think? No, not the wrong thing piece. That was a couple of years ago. But it was when Andrew Sullivan quit New York Mag and went to start his own sort of paid subscription newsletter business. And I was writing this piece. Um, it was sort of talking about that and talking about Defector and talking about the new sort of chapter and like web uh, media. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, listen, I think a fundamental thing about these sort of anti-cancel culture people is that they are so wedded to their mythology that like the thing that happened is that, you know, SJW college students and like college is central in this myth that that elite colleges produced this battalion of like woke 20 year old authoritarians. And sort of my thesis in this piece that I wrote was really what happened it's not elite colleges. The idea that it's oh, like everybody you don't like on the internet on the left went to fucking Columbia is not, it's just not true. That's not, that's not what happened. What happened is that we all grew up on the fucking internet. And if you grew up on the internet, the problem is that from an early age, right? If you were like in message boards or even if you came late and you got into web journalism, right? And your first sort of community interactions were were with things like comment sections. Like, shit gets really toxic really fast and shit gets really sort of bewildering. And there's the sense of like, um, you don't, it's, it's like you're overwhelmed with like the feedback you get from other people on the internet, but you never know how many people you're interacting with. You don't know who you're talking to. It's this sort of informational warfare that you're engaged with when you have critical interactions on the internet and increasingly the internet is like, it's like this big sphere that we all sort of clock into every day. Right. So I think what kind of happens is the internet is this space that is just defined by your uncertainty about what is true, your uncertainty about ethics and politics and stuff like that. It's just filled with like chatter and misinformation and, 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 you know, my third eye is opening as I say all of this. <laughs> I mean, like I, uh, like I, like I want to, I want to jump in and help you, but like yeah, I, I don't want to enter. You're preaching right now. No, but it's just that, like you, you think about all of the sort of critical and political vacuums and ethical vacuums that are opened up by the internet, and I do understand on some level that a critic or you know any given person, certainly a progressive person's response to that might be to say, 
yo, you kind of have to enforce your own certainty. You have to enforce your own sort of clarity about what it is you're watching. You sort of confront something like, you know, that feeling with no girlfriend and you, and you go, nah, there's too much ambiguity in this. And like part of that response is that there is too much ambiguity in that shit, right? Like there is too much ambiguity. But there's a difference between wanting definite, you know, correct and wrong answers and wanting an accurate accounting yeah. so that you can come to your own conclusions. Yeah. And things. like a comprehensive accounting, even with that, yeah, like comprehensive, like accounting, and comprehensive yeah. accounting of what's going yeah. on. But in terms of like what gasses it up and goes, you know, what, what turns the response to that feeling when no girlfriend, what makes it go from, oh, this movie is imperfect. Here are my problems with it to, oh, this movie is like irresponsible and it's going to do X, Y, and Z and it's glamorizing incels. But I don't think it really does any of that. I think a lot of that kind of reaction to stuff is just about the sort of like, terrifying ambiguity of the internet and what it's sort of done to a lot of our critical faculties. Honestly, that's my take. Um, yeah. I mean, like it's definitely the erosion of critical faculties due to, I don't know, like an influx of perspectives is definitely, I guess the sort of simmering panic that you can feel behind these uh, sorts of public trades or like crusades, I guess you want to call them for to, to have these things removed from streaming services, because it's just like, I don't want to deal with the confusion of having to figure this shit out. Yeah. Like on, on a one-to-one -one or to confront any, I'm not really trying to make no accusations, confront any lingering things that are making this complicated for me. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah totally. <laughs> I'm just, but I mean, like it is, it, it's like, but that's the truth though. Like that's, that is, it's kind of like, I think I ultimately find it insulting because it is you shirking your responsibilities as a viewer and as a person that is consuming this thing. Yeah. And yeah. Yeah. And it's just kind of like, why do you get to do that? Yeah. Especially because like, again, when we talk about wishing that feeling when a girlfriend was a, was more critical of its subjects, right. It's be, it, you know, that's not to say that we don't think that a, a sensible person could watch those movie and at the end of the runtime, be like, oh, yeah, the subjects in that movie seem kind of miserable and unpleasant. Like you could you, it's not yeah. like you watch the movie and be like, oh, those guys have a point about hating women. You're not going to think that by the end of watching the documentary. <laughs> but it's still God you help you. If that's if that's yeah, if <laughs> that you do, happen. then we might have we might have, yeah. you know, it's Obi-Wan Kenobi. Well, then you really already are lost situation there, brother. <laughs> um <laughs> brother <laughs> but you know what i mean like it's not about like you could watch that movie and come away with like a pretty sensible assessment of everyone involved but it's you know even then even then it's not always about just like wanting somebody to tell you the right answer to ethics <laughs> you know it's it's wanting people to come with like nuance i guess is what it is and in recognizing that like it's not a sort of one side versus the other it's not like i feel like factions in a lot of conversations about stuff like this i don't know it's like everyone's playing at the role of like the only nuanced person in the room and it's sort of like yo if you want nuance from like a critic like the critic who you want nuance from and watching the movie they themselves want nuance from you and making the movie like you, you just need to sort of accept that both parties are making a sort of mutual like 
request of the other for nuance and for like I don't know. It's sort of like I get the point that you're trying to make because I feel like I've like, yeah, I mean like I've said it probably before at either on this podcast or off to you in some setting that like a good notable point of critique is that like if something is in a movie then it was there on purpose like it costs a lot of money to make this thing so like treat the thing that you see on film as if it was there on purpose um and i think that like you know the reverse should also be true is that like directors filmmakers whomever should put as much thought into what they're putting in their film as i'm going to put into looking at it yeah totally totally um damn i kind of wanted to troll you about the 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 <laughs> never mind <laughs> troll me about the what no no um <laughs> Tell me about the what? No, you I was and, just gonna because I for some reason when you said when you first said like oh it costs a lot of money to make like, a movie oh. I just thought for some reason the thing I thought about was like the Fantastic Four movie from a few years ago I was like nigga that oh costs a lot of money that shit is trash oh okay okay no nah, <laughs> but then it's like nah, too nah. Is that, like no 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 like you're, the thing is that like you're like I you shouldn't receive that point as me being like this absolves it like you you know yeah. be nice to the filmmakers who spend a lot of movie uh, a lot of money making this shit. Like, I mean, if the thing was ass, you spent a lot of time putting something that was ass in the movie. And I think it's fair to say so. But, you know, like you should spend as much time deconstructing it and be, instead of being like, you know, Michael B. Jordan is in here and Miles Teller and you spent this much money. You couldn't keep my attention for 20 minutes. Just because Michael B. Jordan can act. We already talked about That's this in episode have, two and this episode three. <laughs> we we did already discuss that. We 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 have already tread that ground. Uh watch the film with no girlfriend, but also watch We Are Who We Are. Watch We Are Who We Are first. You know. I, I don't Actually, know. Actually, no, 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 no. Watch 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 watch, 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 watch TW you know, GF first so that you can then be uplifted by We Are Who We Are. You don't want to watch TFW, you know, GF at like 9.30 and then like not have anything to do afterward. Like you just got to go to sleep with that on your conscience. Uh, I don't know. Watch the new Radical if you want to watch like lots of Matrix digital rain transitions in a documentary. Like that was, <laughs> It's kind of lit though. They kind of got the aesthetics of it right. Like that's that really is a thing. That's a it's a vibe when you watch it a movie and they do all the hacker shit. The hacker aesthetics. Five stars. <laughs> uh if you watch any of these movies and uh like i said when to talk about them please email us at sound at gmail.com we will be back next week i'm justin charity and i'm micah peters see y'all soon